Hello, everybody. It's Zach back here with Clutch Crew Sports. Today, I'm joined by Nate, and it's just going to be the two of us here. We're going to be talking about some pretty interesting discussions today. Uh, so the, this is going to be the first episode of a new format, so to say. So we're, we've stopped doing the prediction episodes, and to replace them, we're doing these just miscellaneous sports topics that whoever's hosting the show is going to come up with one to two of these topics, and they're going to kind of lead the discussion, and everybody will participate, give their thoughts on the topic. And these can range from anything like NBA, college, pro, sports politics, as some of these kind of are geopolitical i mean it's it's truly up in the air what these are going to be about um and the i think they're going to be really fun so the predictions that we make will still be posted out before the actual games go so there's a record of our predictions and it's not like we're just making the games up after we know the scores but we'll we'll just be doing those on post uh, twitter facebook and instagram and stay tuned guys hopefully for the next video we come out with there's going to be a new special introduction uh, to the video. Definitely anticipate it being on iTunes and all the podcasting services. Hopefully it'll be on YouTube, but I'm not 100% on that, but it will eventually. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're all very excited for it. So to get things started here, it's October 8th when we're recording this. And like so, that so Nate and I, we've got each two topics to talk about, and the first topic that we're going to discuss is the new, recently enacted law, um, uh, the California Fair Pay to Play Act, and then Nate's going to be talking about where does UCF go from here after. Uh, after, of course, their loss to Cincinnati last week. And then I'm going to be talking about, does China need the NBA more than the NBA needs China? And Nate is going to wrap up the show with the discussion about where does Washington where does Washington go now with Jay Gruden being fired? So a lot of diverse sports here in here for this episode, which is great. It's what this show is going to be about. And with that being said, let's get started on the first topic. So the California Fair Pay-to-Play Act, Senate Bill 206, um, basically California has passed a law that while it won't go into effect until 2023, so this is something that's going to be not immediate, but in the next couple of years, this will go into effect. And essentially allows college athletes in the state of California to profit off of their name and their talent and their whatever way that they can make money from their athletic abilities. So it's a little bit different than the school straight up giving them a paycheck for their performance. It's just a bill that allows college athletes to like sign autographs sign shoe deals um all like have their names on jerseys have their names for like in video games potentially 
um, hiring an agent. Um, am I missing any of the big ones, Nate? Like, that's the autographs and the shoe deals and stuff are, are pretty big. And most of it, yeah. Yeah, so pretty much just any way that they can make their money off of their, you know, their talents and stuff, they are allowed to do that. You know, right now, it's a viol- it's an NCAA violation to be making any kind of money off of your status. So we've seen many, many times, call like for, for baseball, basketball, mainly basketball and football, I think, um, you know, high-profile athletes, Reggie Bush was one who, you know, got some money from doing things like signing stuff. And, you know, all these players that have been punished for that before, pretty much it's saying that there's going to be no punishment. You can't do anything about it. So this is huge because this is totally against everything that the NCAA currently stands for. And what I was reading from an article is that the NCAA with these California teams really has three different options for what they're going to be choosing to do. I mean, obviously, they're going to be trying to fight this law. Uh, There's certain tactics that they're going to be using to try and, like, say this is unconstitutional or whatever, or try and deny this from happening. But... Let's just go into the assumption that this law does go into effect like it's supposed to, and it, it does happen. So it's a it's a violation of NCAA rules. So assuming that, you know, the NCAA just does nothing about it, then those teams have the potential to be kicked out of the NCAA. That's including USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford. Fresno State, San Jose State, San Diego, all those schools in California uh, would be ineligible from NCAA. They would be ineligible from the Mountain West Conference, the Pac-12 Conference, and who knows what would happen after that. Would they form their own sort of conference in their own, make up their own rules about having these endorsement deals? So that's one option. The second option is, I guess, truly the do-nothing option. So this option would be the schools, you know, the, the law comes into effect and the schools stay in the NCAA. And, of course, this has the huge issue of, of, of uh, you know, giving an unfair advantage to the California schools because players are going to be more likely to go there now that they can make money legally from their name and their image and stuff. So that's the second option, just just keeping all these teams in the conference, in the NCAA. And then the third option is that they would themselves change their rules so that this sort of this law sort of takes place nationwide and that any school uh, can't deny students from making money off of their off their name. So those are I mean. And this is pretty crazy stuff, guys. I mean, this is a big chunk. You know, it's not like this is like the state of Hawaii doing this. Like, this is the biggest state uh, in the country, population-wise. And this, you know, California has got the fifth 
largest economy if it were its own country. So this is a massive, massive event. Um, I, there's some things from the article about renaming it the Pac-8 if this were to happen mm-hmm. because there's four teams from California in Pac-12. So that definitely takes their brand of competition down in that division or that conference. Um, so my question to Nate is if the uh, – and then I'll answer this too, but if the NCAA has to deal with this – what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to be kicked out? Do you think they're going to change the rules or keep them in the NCAA? And I think that they're going to kick them out. I think they're not going to be in the NCAA. But I think they should probably change the rules because this is something that's really, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's not, you know, a paycheck for the athlete. It's just them being able to make some money off their name by signing some autographs and stuff. I I think this sort of stuff happens a lot anyways, and it, you know, is black market under the table sort of thing. So it's one of those things where, I mean, I'm not going to care if, uh, if you know, if you want to sign someone's autograph, if you want some player's autograph and you're willing to pay money for it, I think it's a free market. I think you should be able to do that. So that's what I think, you know, that's what I would vote for out of these options. And then obviously you get to keep the schools in, in the conference. But if I had to just guess, I mean, the NCAA has shown their stubbornness before. I think they would actually kick out these schools in California and you would be looking at a a new sort of system. And then that brings up the question of, are other schools going to leave the NCAA and join them? Like all those Western teams out in like Utah and Colorado, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, are they all going to leave and then, you know, and then join this new thing and with the new rule of the endorsement deal thing? Then I think that could really, really ruin the NCAA. But this is just such a fascinating topic to me. And Nate, I know you've got some, some like business, sports law sort of education background. Right. So, so yeah. So I, I want to know what what you've been told about this and what you think will be the results. Yeah. I mean, this is a super interesting topic. Like we could honestly spend a whole, uh, one of these episodes, like talking about all the different, like, you know, details and possibilities, but, um, kind of going off what you said, as far as, um, there's kind of a few different like issues at play here. Um, we know that the California bill, it's not going to go into effect until 2023. So we still have, um, four years until, you know, any real like, um, issues arise as far as California teams possibly leaving the NCAA yeah. being kicked out, what have you. Um, the, the thing I would say against that is that, um, similar bills have been, they're being introduced in Florida, um, Ohio, um, I believe Georgia possibly, and there's a few other states. And I think, I believe the Florida one, if it gets passed, will go into effect as early as next year, 2020. So I I think between now and 2023, I think we're going to see a lot of states, if not um, all 50, pass a bill similar to this. So at that point, it would kind of be out of the um, NCAA's hands because you you can't kick um, every yeah. <laughs> you know every team out, or else you don't have a, a league. Um, so I think that's kind of an issue. I think it's going to be a trend that. Um, we'll see something like this come from every state. Um, 
As far as the bill itself, um, there's maybe some tricky like things as far as implementation goes, even beyond um, ignoring the NCAA's rules here for a second. Um, there's going to be some legal issues as far as ex- there's a principle called exclusivity um, in terms of the contracts that schools and the athletic departments sign with different sponsors. So, like, for example, like what you're saying about um, shoe deals, Oh yeah, apparel deals. Yeah, I, I remember that. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, you, you can keep going. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's like that's been kind of tricky because say like Zion Williamson when he was at Duke got offered you know ten million dollars by Adidas to um, have his own signature shoe. He wouldn't be able. He wouldn't legally be able to do that and still play at Duke because Duke, um, their exclusive shoe and athletic gear provider is Nike. So that would you know be in violation of Duke's contract. They wouldn't let him play in obviously Adidas shoes, anything like that. So that kind of idea, and they have, you know, athletic departments have sponsors, you know, in all different kind of sectors as far as food, um, you know, other like they have official like card sponsors, um, you know, all, all kinds of sponsors that you wouldn't really be able to be endorsed by as an individual athlete because if it's a different sponsor, it would um, violate your school's agreement yeah so that's kind of like a tricky issue as far as like making money off your status as the athlete there's definitely like ways they could profit which i'm i'm in support of i think it's good that um not not necessarily that schools should start paying the athletes but they should be able to make money off um you know the image that they've worked hard to create um so i think some more like reasonable solutions here like what you're saying um get paid for autographs i think that's totally um a good idea um i think bringing back like they brought back ncaa they could do it where oh that um that's that's another reason why everybody should be in support of this because because that man that would get me so fired up like (laughs) i wrote that down too like that like that's (laughs) this you know that's why we don't have ncaa right now is because because of this because you know, athletes can't make money off of it, and they, right. you know, they won the lawsuit against that. So, yeah, man, uh, that's a good point you brought up. It got me fired yeah. up. <laughs> if there's some way that they could bring the game back and work with the schools to use their, um, that's the other issue in this whole thing is that um, athletes can't profit off their likeness um, currently, but even after this bill gets passed, they can't profit off of. Um, their school's trademarks and athletic apparel either just, just as far as, you know, basic legal rights go, you know, they can't, um, back to Zion Williamson, you know, he couldn't do an endorsement or an advertisement wearing like his Duke gear because that's, you know, he didn't get approval, um, from Duke to use that. They're not making any money off the deal. So like, that's another issue as far as bringing back NCAA, they got to make sure the schools are all, um, on board still with giving their rights to it. But, um, if they brought, did bring the game back, you do something where like players get some kind of percentage of royalties, you know, give them all a check for maybe like, I don't know what it would come out to. It would probably be like close to a thousand dollars, I guess, if you gave them all like, I don't know, take like 30, 40% of the profits and divide it all between the athletes. Maybe, I don't know what kind of deal they could work out, yeah, but yeah. it's certainly something like royalty wise. <laughs> and then same thing with jerseys. Um, I know, like, if they 
you know, I got to go to UCF. If they put out like authentic, like Mackenzie Milton number ten jerseys with, you know, his name on the back, like those would sell pretty hot. Like, yeah, you know, you, you get a lot of sales. I'm sure, like with any star athlete from any school, oh, um, yeah. and they could get a percentage um, of those profits. Maybe put a percentage also like into better, um, you know, resources for all the student athletes as far as like athletic. Or, I mean, um, academic resources and all that stuff. So. There's a lot of different ways they could um, go about doing this. I think it's not as simple as people, you know, in the in the media like to say that, you know, oh, if this bill gets passed, it's all going to be like semi-pro sports. Like, there's definitely some issues there, but I think, um, I think there's, I think it's a lot more complex than people say. Like, they're not all going to become, yeah. you know, every uh, D1 football player is not about to become, you know, a millionaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, professional athlete as a, as a result of this bill being passed. Because honestly, like you look at most teams, really only, only five to 10 players on each football team that could conceivably make money off their image, you know, because outside of the stars, like nobody wants the, is going to pay money for an autograph for, you know, the backup cornerback for UCF. Like, yeah, don't it there, depends so. on the school too, I think, because there's right. some schools that like, even if you're the fifth, you know, I don't know how many people are on a college roster, but if you're the last man on a college roster on, like, say, Alabama, you know, sure. you're still going to be semi-famous in that region enough, yeah. to, enough to, like, grant some sort of money. You know, I'm sure you can work a little bit to get some sort of some sort of piece of the pie. But, yeah, the, I mean, the schools, like, the small schools and stuff, the players, you know, there that aren't stars or anything, yeah, it's not, I don't think it'll be too big of a deal for them, you know. But, right. But yes. yeah, yeah. You were gonna say something? Or... <laughs> no, I was gonna say like, this is definitely something to keep an eye on um, next few years. I think we've already seen like five. I think five states have a a bill in some stage okay. of um, approval. I think the next year or two, we're gonna see a lot more states kind of follow this lead, and that's gonna be really interesting um, to see how the NCAA kind of responds because they've been fairly quiet it seems so far, but um, when a lot more states start putting pressure on them, see how they kind of react to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, yeah. So they're, they're going to, I think they're going to try and challenge it in the courts. Um, that was some way I was reading something about like interstate commerce, that sort of thing in the, in an article. Um, so I'm not sure what, all that means because I'm not intelligent with that sort of stuff, but it's, um, yeah, it's some, and I mean, I'm down with, I'm down with three, you know, not down, like I'm disappointed with like, I'm, I'm on board with like, you know, free markets, you know, if you're absolutely able to, if you're able to, you know, if someone wants to buy something from, if someone wants to spend money for your autograph, I think it's perfectly right for you to be able to make that transaction. And also selfishly, like, sorry. selfishly uh, NCAA football. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I thought, were you going to say yeah. something? Or? Oh, no, no. I was, I was going to add that like, a lot of these yeah. guys, like, too, it's, you know, they only got one chance to kind of make this money, too. Like, what you're saying, if you got a chance to um, make some money, definitely take it because a lot of these guys, like, they may go to the NFL, but, you know, they're probably, the odds are that they won't get drafted. They might make a practice squad, but. You know, I, I think if you got a chance to make money off your talents, you know, when you got a short window to do so, I think you should have every opportunity available. 
Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap up that little discussion there. It went pretty well. Uh, you know, definitely, like you said, something to keep an eye on in the future. Because this is still a couple years away from happening. But we'll move on now and I'll let Nate talk about his UCF Knights and what they're <laughs> gonna, where they're going to go. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, this is the topic I was hoping I wouldn't have to talk about for um, a while. But um, I do go to UCF. I've been following the team since I uh, started here a few years back. Um, but I think as most people know, they lost their second game of the year um, this past Friday at Cincinnati. Um, it's a pretty tough spot to be in for UCF right now just because of you look at what they've done the last couple of years, they've had they had an amazing run from 2017 to the end of 2018, not losing a single game, um, going 24-0, and 0, kind of um, earning the respect of a lot of people around the country. I know they had the, um, the national championship claim, which has kind of made a lot of people mad, which totally understandable. But I think at the same time, like it's really been big for them to try and go out and get some uh, kind of notoriety um kind of like you know get some uh i guess get people like aware of the brand so it doesn't go away after you know after a loss like this when um when like it kind of fade out of the top 25 polls and um the constant weekly um you know primetime games and all that um so basically like that's what i want to talk about is i think UCF is in a pretty interesting spot and it kind of relates to um, all of your five teams so much. So not, not so much about um, uh, the actual like loss they had last week, which, you know, I think if you watch that game, there's a lot of, um, it was pretty clear what happened. You know, we got a freshman quarterback who made some, the talent's definitely there, but he obviously made some very, uh, freshman-like mistakes as far as interceptions and turnovers go. Um, play calling probably could have been a little bit better in some in- instances, but um, overall it's kind of a little bit of a letdown year for UCF, uh, more of a re- rebuilding year, year than we previously thought. Um, but kind of back to what I was saying, um, overall it's a pretty interesting scenario for um, all the group of five teams because it kind of shows how um, difficult it is um, even with the new playoff, I guess not really new anymore, but even with the playoff situation um, going on, it, it kind of shows how difficult it is to um, compete on a national scale like as a group of five team. You, you know, we saw it with uh, Boise State a few years back when they went to the Fiesta Bowl and upset Oklahoma. Um, you know, they, they earned a top 10 ranking, I believe, but then a few years later, they kind of faded out of um, national relevance. They're doing really good this year so far. They're undefeated. Um, look to be the front runner for a group of five um, BCS bid. But um, overall, like, they haven't really stayed in the national uh, kind of figure out what the think of the word here. Um, national consciousness. Yeah, yeah, like kind of consciousness. Like they're not a team that you think about every week. Like a um, you know, uh, Ohio State or Michigan, mm-hmm. like even when they're not that good, you know, you still got the Michigan game on Fox every week. You know, the analysts are talking about, um, they're talking about them in every preseason poll. 
Um, so I think it's, it's frustrating for UCF in this scenario because um, they had gone undefeated for two years, lost that um, Fiesta Bowl to, uh, to um, LSU. But going into this year, they definitely had some re- good respect like nationwide. Even after the loss to Pitt, they were still ranked, which was very surprising. I thought um, they would have dropped out of the polls entirely, but um, the poll makers kind of gave them another chance to redeem themselves, which they kind of blew with um, the Cincinnati <laughs> loss, unfortunately. But um, it was kind of frustrating after two years of kind of getting to that point where maybe like this year if they went undefeated, they would have got some at least, you know, at least discussion for the playoff. Not that they would have made it still because there's still some very um, tough teams uh, at the top of the polls right now, namely Clemson, Alabama, um, Oklahoma. But I think it kind of illustrates the issue for what group of five teams have been talking about for a while that like just for UCF to get to this point, they had to win – you know, 24 games in a row, blow out every team on their schedule, beat, you know, a, a top 10 um, Auburn team in the Peach Bowl. So it's like, I think if you're another group of five school, like a Boise State or um, a Memphis or something like that, like it's kind of hard to see like, your path to compete in this in this, um, uh, in this system uh, with the... Um, the playoff and the rankings and all that stuff. I know Zach can kind of attest being a USF fan. Like they had some good years a few years back. Oh yeah. But they didn't really get any respect either. So it's kind of Birmingham bowl, man. <laughs> it's like the farthest yeah, I know. We got, even though we have like a two loss season or something. Like yeah. Um Yeah, so I think it's just kind of um it just kind of is like where do you go from here almost? I know UCF just being here as a student, you see they've done a lot of work marketing wise. Uh, promotion-wise, to kind of like capitalize on that um, streak they had going on and try and stay, you know, in the forefront of people's minds, whether that's um, on social media. I know they've been kind of aggressive on there, um, trying to like troll <laughs> teams and a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, any attention is kind of good attention, you know, if you're desperate for it like this. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I had. That's basically my, my main takeaway from this loss. It's not so bad that. They've lost two games. You know, most teams, um, it's pretty average. It's pretty respectable, honestly, to be 4-2. and two. It's not a bad season, but the expectations, um, it's kind of interesting how high they've got around here uh, after going winless a few years ago. Now, you know, a t- potentially a two-loss season is seen as a pretty bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of funny. Yeah, as far but, as... Um... As far as what you're talking about, about the chances of one of these group of fives making a playoff, I think is highly, highly unlikely. I mean, right. they would have to, like, schedule every non-conference game to be, like, either Alabama, Clemson, LSU, like, Georgia. <laughs> they would have to be all legit teams. You know, you can't yeah. schedule any FCSs. You can't schedule any low-tier, you know, teams like uh, Vanderbilt or... Tennessee right now, unfortunately, I'm thinking about, <laughs> or or uh, Kansases or teams like Rutgers, you know, teams like that, right, Syracuse, right. Illinois, but um, not Syracuse. I don't know why I said that, but uh, <laughs> but I was thinking of a couple of years ago, but yeah. but yeah, no, what I what I think the NCAA should do with this to make, I think with the way that the whole college playoff is right now, it's so like 
you know, there's still always going to be a debate on who gets left out, who's in, who's out when it comes to the final thing. Because obviously, you can't make it like a March Mad, you can't make it like a March Madness style tournament. Um, right. But I think they should really increase it to eight teams because then you could do something where, you know, the ace, the winners of the ACC, you know, the SEC. Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, all those championship game winners get automatic bids. So that's uh, five right there, I believe. And then you give the best group of five team. So that would be six teams like locked in. And then you would have two leftover teams that, let's say, like an undefeated team just lost in their you know conference championship. Like, let's say Alabama just loses to Georgia, but they were undefeated in the regular season. Then you have two slots to fill those teams in, and then you can make your rankings. You'll debate amongst those teams in the rankings, but those will be the eight teams in the in the playoff, and six of them will be known for sure by the end of the regular season, or at least five. You can debate the... Usually it's pretty clear who the best group of, out of the group of five is, usually, um, but and I guess it could be... It could have been a debate, I guess, if UCF and Boise State had got, had both been undefeated. But usually it happens right. where one of those teams loses, and it's usually just one undefeated or or one one-loss team clearly better than the other one-loss team. But I, I think that'd be really interesting because then you would give all those teams a chance. I mean, that, that would be so much fun to watch. Um, obviously, you've got to deal with, like, injuries and stuff. So if they made the regular season one week shorter and you played one less non-conference game, I wouldn't be so mad about that. Um, I I think some people might be, but personally I wouldn't be so mad if like, because most teams play some sort of, most good teams play some sort of cupcake every year if they yeah. got rid of those. I mean, those are pretty much bye weeks anyway. So <laughs> with the <laughs> rare, with the rare, like huge upsets and stuff, but um, but if, if they did that to, you know, allow for healthier teams at the end of the year, I'd be okay with that. And then doing it eight teams would mathematically still be fine because you can have just, you know, no buys, just, you know, number one plays number eight, et cetera, until you get to a winner. Uh, so then, then I think those, you know, then we'll also, it'll be settled like, okay, that's the best team, you know, because sometimes there's teams that are brought into the college football playoff that just stink it up in their first game. And there's always a debate. Oh, who, you know, should the team left out have been in instead of that team that was put in when that team that was put in like last year, Notre Dame, you know, really stunk it up in Georgia fans were all clamoring to, to be put in. So I think, and then that also gives a lot more incentive to win your conference championship because I did, think that should be valued more important like that should be really high on on the list of what it's you know who makes the playoffs i think winning that should almost like guarantee you to to have a chance at the playoff so i don't know what do you i mean what do you feel about that nay do you are you on on board with that or i i totally agree with that kind of setup um i i think that's kind of the only um I guess logical way to deal with the situation, just because, um, kind of like what I was saying about 
you know, UCF, how much they've kind of done just to get this position and still not be able to even be close to um, being able to make a, a college football playoff. Not that they could necessarily even beat um, an Alabama or Clemson this year or anything like that, but it's just like it kind of makes you question, like, why is the group of five here right now if they can't, you know, they're playing the same uh, FBS, but they can't, you know, compete to win the championship. So I, I think that's a would be kind of my ideal solution. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Like, get rid of one week of regular season. Like, don't play, you know, the Citadel this year if you're Alabama. <laughs> you know, you got an extra week. Um, you're, gonna, you're probably going to have an extra game playing in the playoffs. So yeah. I think that would be a great solution that I'd like to see in the next few years. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, all right, so we'll move on then to our next topic that I'm going to introduce. And uh, the picture here shows James Harden playing the game in China. And obviously he's that's why that uniform looks different. Um, just a funny picture and some people behind him and stuff taking pictures of him. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but so the reason... Um, this is a really, this is a true current event because the California thing's been, you know, mulled up, you know, it's been mulling around for a little while. Uh, but this is really new because up until this point, it seems like the NBA and China were on pretty friendly terms as anybody can be with China. Um, (laughs) but I want to, I want to reference, uh, some people, you know, give them some credit here where i got this information from so shout out to james arity and ben cohen from the wall street journal for giving me the background information to talk about this subject because i really didn't know much about it when i first heard about it and my initial reaction you know the question that i posed was who needs each other more you know does the nba need china more does china need the nba more initially i thought the nba needed china more um, but now that I've been doing some research on this, thanks to those two guys, I've kind of switched my answer on that. I think, you know, if I had to pick an answer to that, I would say China needs the NBA more. And, you know, there's some things I didn't really know that I now know from reading this article, but the NBA is a huge part of the Chinese sports culture. And that's, you know, really been, you know, Yao Ming's a huge part of that, but, Still, the for whatever reason, NBA has, you know, found its way to China, and it's really popular there. So, just some statistics and stuff about how popular it is. There's 300 million Chinese basketball players, which is equivalent to the about the entire U.S. population. So, just think of everybody in the United States playing basketball. That's how many people are playing basketball in China, which is... You know, kind of crazy to think about. And 500 million people in China watch or have watched an NBA game in the past year. And there's a one and a half billion dollar deal with Tencent Sports, who shows the games in China. And so the reason why this is even being a discussion is because Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey came out with a tweet not too long ago where he was criticizing the Chinese government and kind of supporting the protests going on in, I believe, Hong Kong. 
Um, so he was, you know, trying to promote more of like a democratic thing that the protesters are protesting in, in, uh, in Hong Kong. And then, you know, that China got all mad about that. They actually canceled the broadcast of the Lakers nets preseason games that are being played in China. There's also a full review going on of programming after, um, after this, you know, kind of we develops more. And another thing, too, to mention is that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has came to the defense of the, you know, of Daryl Morey and the Rockets. So he, you know, he basically said he supports, you know, his right to a, an opinion, his right of free speech, and he, he's not gonna, he's not like reprimanding Daryl Morey for what he's saying about, you know, this political issue going on in China. And this is pretty unique because I I saw this in the article too. Anytime, you know, a lot of times these big companies, these big corporations tend to be, they tend to take the profits that China offers instead of, you know, supporting like the protests and the, the, the freedom movement going on in China. And, you know, they, you know, a lot, I mean, I'm not faulting them that they don't want it to be like that. They don't want China to be free, but like if you're an airline corporation and you say some sort of tweet that Daryl Morey said, you know, and China bans you from their country, you lose out on so much money that it's just not worth it to argue against China and that sort of, and sort of go against China. Uh, but the thing about the NBA is it's, got a monopoly i mean there's the, the chinese basketball association but it the the competition you know difference is so big and nba has been so much a part of china's culture sports culture now that you know the public you know sort of demands basketball and nba basketball specifically so it's not just for china's standpoint it's not just as simple as they can just ban this and it'll be fine because this is something that its people really, really value. And I didn't really know that. I I thought, you know, China would have the upper hand here. But as it turns out, you know, they're, you know, it, it would cause some chaos, I think, if China were to ban the NBA from being aired in, in China. Um, and another thing, too, here, another reason why... Uh, the um why i think china might you know kind of cave to the nba a little bit here and not go through with all these you know punishments and stuff given to the league but i think um you know china is one of those countries that is ultra competitive when it comes to like the olympics and sports and athletes and athletic events that sort of thing and the fact is that with NBA basketball being popular in China, it's a greater chance that China is going to, you know, develop better basketball players and they're going to be more competitive and World Cup events and Olympics and those sort of things. And China will have a more of an athletic upper hand if they can get past this issue. And, you know, the its talent pool will, will grow, so to say, with the NBA involved. Because the NBA does stuff in China, too. Like, they, you know, they do things locally to support basketball. 
in China. So that partnership is is crucial not just to China as it is for making money, like the one and a half billion dollar deal uh, with you know the television games and stuff. So and then another thing too that was kind of interesting was that both members of political parties in the U.S. Uh, were attacking the NBA on this, which was interesting. So both like Democrats and Republicans kind of agreed that they were against the NBA and were like, don't anchor China. Um, but this is, this is a really big issue. I mean, this is something that I don't think anything other than the NBA could stand a chance with getting, you know, with not, you know, losing out on their business and stuff. So, you know, the NBA obviously would be doing just fine without China, but China in all international aspects of the NBA is really what the NBA is focusing on to try and grow their sport, their sport bigger than the NFL. So obviously the NFL is dominant in the North American market, USA, but the NBA is trying to take a global approach to become bigger than the NFL, and China is the biggest country in the world. So it makes sense to have a great relationship with them, which they had an okay relationship with before. But with these tweets, you know, it's all. It, I don't know the Chinese government. I I know that the president there um, has been to Lakers games before, so he's an NBA fan. But it's a it's a interesting issue and. And I, if I had to pick a side, I, I think the NBA's got more leverage than China does here. I mean, you know, if if you take away the NBA and there starts being riots from that, I mean, that that you know would seem pretty crazy, but it might actually be the case. So, so I, Nate, I don't know what what else you have to add to this or what you think about it, what, about that question, if you lean the other way or not. But uh, I'm interested in hearing what you guys say. I don't know. I think it's tricky because. I, I see where you're coming from. I know it's like a huge deal over there. It's really their biggest sport. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if the NBA has any leverage in this scenario just because China really is a pretty authoritarian um, country. They're, I mean, they're really like, when you really look at it, they're probably only a few degrees better than, you know, North Korea in a lot of instances. Like, they're the type of country that's not going to have any issue, you know, blacking out NBA games, you know, not letting their people watch it on cable TV, you know, blocking it out on the internet. And, I mean, I, I definitely think there'd be some big backlash, like what you were saying from the, you know, so many people over there are basketball fans. But at the same time, I mean, they've got riots already going on in Hong Kong. Like, I don't know how much worse, you know, it could get. Like, you know, yeah. from China's perspective, it's like our people are already unhappy, like, you know what? You know what I mean. Like, well, they could be using the NBA to like, you know, calm them down a little bit or something. You know, sure. they, you know, you China could spin this off as like, okay, we're giving you the NBA, like, the, you know, let's make a compromise. Like, you know, as crazy that is, that is like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> you know, free right, you know, freedom to speak out against the government or NBA? <laughs> but like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, two completely different things. But like, yeah, I I I see your point though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tricky situation for the NBA because I see why. Obviously, that's a huge market. Um, and that's a big like what you're saying, trying to beat the NFL in terms of being the most profitable league. I mean, that's a huge competitive advantage because the NBA or the um, NFL really doesn't have any um, 
a big foreign presence aside from their London series, but um, even then, like it's not a big deal. You know, they don't have the base of fans that sit down and watch the NFL every Sunday over there as compared to what China has in terms of fans who are going to sit in and watch all the basketball games by you know NBA um, ticket. So I, I see why you don't you obviously don't want to make them angry because that's a huge um a huge like amount of revenue to lose. But at the same time, it's kind of interesting to me just in terms of um is the NBA like gonna kind of put their money where their mouth is almost just because in the past they've, they've been so vocal with like supporting social issues as far as you know they they had the players come out with the um what was it, like like the I can't breathe shirts um. All the stuff like Black Lives Matter. Um, yeah. You know, other players are all very, you know, they're f- very free to, like, talk about whatever, um, you know, they believe in, like, whether you agree, disagree um, with their actual stance. Like, in the past, the NBA and Adam Silver have been very, you know, supportive of that, kind of giving them their leeway, which is a lot different than what we've seen from the NFL, kind of, in terms of what their ownership um, how they reacted to all the uh, anthem protests and all that. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting to me that you know the NBA has tried to really be the progressive league, try to come off that way. But now that um, they're about to lose money from you know taking these progressive um, type stances, they're kind of you know pumping the brakes a little bit. So to me, it's just kind of funny. Like, are you gonna prioritize money here in China? Um, at the expense of you know people kind of voicing their concerns because um, South Park actually did an episode about this. I don't know if you saw um, just about um, China and kind of like um, basically the episode was I don't remember whose dad it was, but he was trying to like start a business and um, China like I don't know what was it. Oh, shoot, I'm trying to think. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I just watched it last night. Basically, the, the point of the episode was like yeah. people are trying to, or no, the um the kids are trying to start a band and they're gonna get financing from like China and their whole like band was like censored by, you know, Chinese people because they're offended by like certain, um, lyrics and stuff, which obviously is a pretty huge, um, exaggeration because it's South Park and it's satire <laughs> and stuff. But it's kind of a good point. Like, are we gonna, as Americans, are we gonna sit here and let China? you know, tell us what we can and can't say. Um, like, we have freedom of speech over here. Obviously, they don't um, over there. But are we going to let a foreign country tell us, you know, what we can and can't say about um, political issues just because they're such a big economic force? Like, I think that's kind of the big issue to take away from this. Um, I think the NBA will probably get things resolved. Um, like you said, their product's so big over there, like, I think they'll get things resolved from a um, monetary issue, but I think just going forward, because um, China's so big in all areas of the economy, you know, are they gonna? Um, that's kind of, I think it's kind of something to watch, like going forward. Like, are we gonna be um, like impacted by them, kind of in that yeah. way going forward? Yeah, so definitely fascinating to to hear about yeah, and stuff. And I just yeah, I'm not sure. It's just like so strange, like of a situation in general. Yeah, to like, really think about it, like it's 2019, and like a tweet, just one tweet from the Rockets GM. We have a kind of an international incident going on with China. Like it's 
kind of crazy how the world seriously, works right now. Seriously. <laughs> and I they asked um some players about it, uh, and you know some players didn't want to comment obviously because like one DeAndre Jordan said something along the lines of like, hey, you know this is a uh, this is something I don't really know enough about. It's going on halfway across the world. And, <laughs> you know, I'm just here to play yeah. basketball, so to say. So I don't think it's, you know, not, the whole NBA is not like, you know, you know, demanding justice or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting for sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on though and talk about our final topic of the day. So Nate wants to talk about this with, uh, with what's going to be next for Washington. Yeah, I thought this is a pretty interesting scenario. Um, the Redskins right now are obviously near the bottom of the league. They're about to face off um, kind of in the dumpster bowl versus Miami this Sunday. Um, obviously, we all saw the news that Jay Gruden was fired yesterday. Um, so that's kind of big for the team. they got an interim coach right now. She's probably just going to kind of coast out this season. Obviously, big re- rebuilding year for them. But I think it's a little bit more interesting than the Dolphins scenario because Going into this year, obviously we knew that the Dolphins would be tanking, and there wasn't really any talent on that roster. Um, it's pretty clear they got to scrap the whole thing and just start over. But the Redskins kind of had a little bit more hope. Um, they brought in Dwayne Haskins to kind of be the savior of the franchise. We haven't really had a chance to see what he can do um, as a full-time starter. And obviously they had some injuries and just the overall lack of talent this year. So I don't think really, I don't think you can put it all on Gruden for their failures. Obviously, he was a head coach, so that's a big um, part of it. But what I'm really interested to see is where this team goes first in their head coach, um, who they hire to replace um, their head coach, and then what kind of personnel moves they make. Just because I think a lot of the issues with this franchise go back to ownership. Um, Dan Snyder's probably when one if one of, if not the most unpopular owners in sports for the past few years, just in terms of, you know, a lot, I think a lot of the failures of this franchise can be traced back to him as far as bad coaching hires, you know, bad uh, personnel decisions. Kind of Albert the way the whole, like, arch- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Signing Albert Hainsworth to a hundred million dollar deal. You know, the whole, the way the whole um, RG three situation was handled. Um, I think a lot of like the turmoil of this team has gone back to him. And plus, um, it's still been an issue with the name Washington Redskins. I know a lot of people um, out there aren't a big fan of that name. Um, I'm kind of here nor there on that one. But I, I think just overall he's a pretty unpopular guy. There's been a lot of calls, especially like in the past year, that I've seen for him to resign or sell the team or something like that. But I think what's going to be really interesting is to see, like, if he does remain the owner of the team going forward, what Washington's going to do about um, their next head coach. I was reading up on some candidates. Um, the big one I keep seeing is uh, Byron Leftwich. Um, I know he's a pretty I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty, like, he's kind of a rising star, kind of like a Sean McVay, almost where, you know, he hadn't really heard of him, but he's moved up the ranks pretty fast to be, I believe he's Arizona's offensive coordinator right now. Uh, Tampa's. Um, Tampa. He, he that's right. He's with Arizona. Arians, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He was on that staff, but yeah, I mean, he's kind of the first hire I've seen. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. If he does 
end up as the next uh, coach for Washington or uh, where they go. But um, that for me is the biggest question mark with Washington to see if their front office can make some like competent decisions this offseason. Because I think right now the season's pretty much lost. I mean, there's no way they're making the playoffs right now. Um, but it will be a good opportunity to see what Haskins has. Um, uh, kind of not trying to give away the whole picks um, thing for this week. Um, I know we didn't, we're not really doing those shows anymore. But I picked Washington in my pick just because I think it's going to be interesting. I think they're going to let Haskins off the chain pretty soon here and just kind of let him go for it and see what, just kind of throw him in there and see what he's got. There really should be no expectations the rest of this year, so just kind of let him go. Um, throw the ball around, probably going to make his fair share of rookie mistakes, but kind of see what you have out of him, see if you got to work on maybe even getting a, um, another replacement this offseason or in the draft, um, kind of just in that whole situation. So yeah. I, I think Washington, it's like, um, obviously the, the Dolphins are in a bad spot too, but I think Washington's a lot more interesting because we don't totally know where the situation could go. Like it's, this wasn't supposed to be a total tank year, but it's kind of becoming that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you kind of say what you're thinking about it. Yeah. So, so first of all, I think um, I think this firing was totally justified here. Uh, he had what five or six years as the coach if he was in this fifth or sixth year. And for me, yeah, I've always six. yeah, I've always said you should give a coach at least three years to truly evaluate them as a head coach because the head coach is getting fired in one year i think is really unfair two years some instances i think it's acceptable um but then three years you know is is your time to either make you know have made the playoffs or just you know have a really good team but you know have high expectations in the fourth year so he's definitely passed that mark and he's had pretty disappointing seasons with only one playoff appearance and he even seemed to be okay with being fired. I mean, he was kind of like, I think his attitude and stuff the last couple of weeks has been like, I'm I'm going to keep coming until they, you know, like tell me I can't. Like, <laughs> kind of, it's it's similar a little bit to Blake Bortles um, last year after the season, where it was like, you know, everybody, you know, kind of thought he was going to be, you know, let let go from the team release, but he was still part of the team. It was a weird dynamic. It's really weird for your head coach to be in that position. But, uh, but, and then another thing too, and I agree with you on everything about the owner. I think, um, he's been a huge issue for him, but it, and one thing too, I wouldn't rule out their interim head coach as keeping that job because, and I don't know his name, but he, he actually, he actually likes Haskins and he, I know he has NFL head coaching experience. So he's definitely, he's got a, a large, large part of the season to make his mark. And if, if the organization likes him, we've seen it before where, you know, they don't necessarily ought to always fire the interim head coach. Um, so he could end up staying as their coach, but it's a wait and see thing because another thing too, that you didn't mention is that, it was reported that Gruden did not want Haskins, so but the owner did, so the owner kind of forced them to pick Haskins. And 
the the new interim coach apparently likes Haskins. He's got a better relationship with him. So I'm on like I'm afraid that Haskins is gonna be, you know, this year's Josh Rosen because Rosen was in Arizona for one year, a top ten pick. Uh started a little bit. He wasn't the day one starter, but ended up starting because the team was doing so bad. And then the team was so bad around him that and they hired a new coach who wanted to pick his own man. And then he was, Josh Rosen was kind of left out and then floated up in Miami. And he's probably going to go through that same experience again, where they're going to take a quarterback in the draft. So I'm, I'm afraid for Haskins that he's going to be this year's version of that with Washington not having a good team and then him struggling because of that. We don't really know what he's capable of. And then he gets fired, you know, he gets traded or something like that. And he ends up, you know, just being a backup or something. We never really get to see him, you know, thrive. So that's something interesting. I was thinking about between the two. I, I sense a lot of potential similarities, but I mean, if Haskins uh, does impress people, obviously he won't have that fate, but if he, he's got low expectations, but still even in the NFL, if you're a rookie first round pick, you still have some expectations. And uh, I was just wondering if you kind of agreed with me on that or not. Uh, I, I agree. I, I didn't even think about the whole, um, you know, Rosen situation. That's a really good analogy. Like it could be, it could be a tough spot for Haskins to be in if he doesn't show out the rest of this year. You know, if he doesn't produce right away, maybe they will. You know, um, let the next head head coach or whoever pick a new quarterback, and then maybe he gets pushed off the team or as a backup or traded or who knows. But I totally agree. That's could be a tough spot for Haskins to be in. Yeah. So with that being said, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed the four topics we, we brought up today. Um, I know I did. They were, you know, ranging from the NFL to NBA to college, like all around sports. Um, so stay tuned. These ones will be coming out every Friday. Uh, it'll be different hosts, different episodes, but we're all going to kind of bring one or two different stories like this and introduce it, talk about it. And, and have some fun with it. So if you guys also have any suggestions on any potential topics for the future, make sure to comment that. And I guarantee you, if you suggest that, we'll talk about it because uh, uh, listenership has been down recently. So we're trying to trying to do things we can to change that. And this is a good way to get your voice heard and to get some, you know, get some, I'm trying to say like, you know, like have some impact have, yeah have some interaction yeah. have some impact on this so <laughs> so sure. uh, we'd be we'd be grateful to hear from you guys and uh and yeah so thanks nate for coming on for this episode uh for sure without you it wouldn't be possible so <laughs> for this <laughs> one <laughs> yeah. um, so so yeah so take care guys and hopefully everybody has a great day see ya for eric peace <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>